if you reject what God is doing, it may lead you in a place of thievery. How are you tending and how often are you tending up your heart? Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Because God has called you. He has called you, he has spoken to you, and he has set you apart. God promotes who he chooses. And he chooses the one that has a heart after him. Thank you, Father. So tonight I want to talk to you. I've got my message is, is how to position yourself in being becoming a man or a woman that God chooses. We want to be men and women that God chooses. Right? Right? We want to we want to have the right right heart posture so that we know, wow, you know what, I'm going to do my part and I'm going to, and I'm going to trust that God's going to do his part. That's how it works. We do our part and then we trust that God does his part. And of course he does, right? So becoming a, a man or a woman after God's own heart is very important. Wouldn't you say? It's very important that we become a man or a woman after God's own heart. This King David was a, a man after God's own heart, right? The Lord said he is a man after my heart. Amen. How does the Lord choose whom he will promote or whom he will work through? He that has been diligent in preparing his heart for him. So diligence is something that we must do, must become, must operate in. Being diligent in preparing our hearts for him. We want to prepare our hearts, right? So there's some work to do sometimes. Purity of heart is singleness of heart towards God. When we have purity of heart, that means we are like single-minded. We're not divided. It's, it's singleness of heart towards God. We have one focus, and that is, Lord, I want to please you. And if that's not your one focus, you can actually say, Lord, make it my one focus. I'm asking you, I'm praying that you would help me to have one focus, which is to have the heart after you. The kind of heart that says, Lord, I want to please you first and foremost. And if something isn't pleasing to you that is within my heart, show me so that I would literally say, I don't want to walk like that. I choose to not think that way. I choose to not operate in that. I don't want to con connect with that or that individual or those people. I want to literally be set apart. So Lord, work in me, mold my heart so that I have the heart of, of God that I please you. Amen. So Proverbs 4, uh, 23 says to guard Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life. Everything in your heart is a determining factor to whether you actually live your life to please God fully and receive the benefits, all of them, that he has for you, or are shortchanged and don't receive. Our hearts. Say, it's all about my heart. I want my heart to be cleansed and purified so that I walk fully saturated, pleasing my heavenly Father. So guard your heart. Now that's Proverbs 4.23. In the, in the King James, King, in the New King James, it says to keep. Not guard, but keep. But it's the same thing. Say it's the same thing. So to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out of your heart flow the issues of life. We are to keep our heart. We are to guard our heart. We are to protect. We are to think about. We are to let God heal our heart. Because out of our heart flows the issues of life. Every issue. It determines the course of our life, right? And our lives. Luke 6 and 45. 
It says a good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of what's inside of you is what you're going to speak. It's what you're going to say. What you say determines what you do. And what you do determines who you end up becoming like. So out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the abundance of our heart, we are to guard our heart. We are to keep our heart. We are to pay attention to our heart. We are to pay attention to what's entering in. We are to pay attention to how we feel. We are to pay attention to what we're thinking about. Because if it isn't lining up with the will of God, then we actually must make it obedient and make it line up with the will of God. It's not just your thoughts that you make captive, take captive and make them obedient, but your emotions too. By literally saying, I'm going to guard, I'm going to keep, I'm going to allow the hand of the Lord to be upon my life because I am going to give myself fully to him. No, I'm not going to be partial. There's no partiality here, right? So the heart decides whether we live by the spirit or whether we live by the flesh. Your heart decides this. Whether you live by the spirit or whether you live by the flesh, we know we are to live by the spirit. We're not to live by the flesh. We're, we're supposed to let the flesh die, right? Like the old man die, right? We, we, have, we have a body, but we're not to allow the body to rule our lives. We are literally supposed to have the body, the emotions, the mind, the will, all of that, to be in subjection to what the Spirit of God tells us. And so, therefore, when we do that, we align our lives so that our alignment is in proper alignment with the Holy Spirit. This making sense? Yeah. So it's important that we read the word. It's important that we get the word in our, in our hearts and our spirits so that we will walk according to the will of God and not according to emotions or according to something somebody says, right, or does, right? So it's in the heart that the thoughts are developed. Our thoughts are developed in our heart. In our emotions are developed or they're disregarded and actions are carried out all within the heart. I'm going to read that again. Because it's, it's in the heart that thoughts are developed. If your thoughts are not pleasing God, if your thoughts are bringing fear, torment, dread, misery, whatever it might be, then you have the access, you have the power to change it, right? We all have that. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to change it. So it's the heart, it is in the heart that thoughts are developed. Not that you had a thought, but they're developed because you're allowing something to remain. Allow what is good to remain, not what is bad, what is contrary to the will of God. When we allow what is good to remain, what is being developed but a heart that seeks after God. So it's the heart, it's in the heart that thoughts are developed and that emotions are developed. Our emotions, we have to pay attention, right? To what we're thinking, how we're feeling. And they're either developed or they are, or, or they're disregarded. Sometimes people just disregard what's like, like a sore thumb, what's like yelling and screaming for attention. But why not give that to the Lord, all of it? Give your pain to the Lord. Give your questions. Give your concerns. Give it all, knowing that he is more than able to help you through it, right? Amen? So it's in the heart that thoughts are developed, emotions are developed or disregarded, and then actions are carried out. 
it's all in the heart. How are you tending and how often are you tending after your heart? Because that's the question. Are we tending after the heart? In Matthew 15, 19, it says, Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, all these. But out of the heart, a heart that is not set on Christ. Right? So in other words, your future resides in your heart. I am making, I am stressing this point that we need to guard our hearts. Because our our future literally resides in what you allow your heart to meditate on. What you allow your heart to meditate on today determines your future. So if you want to allow your heart to meditate on a spirit of pride and anger and unforgiveness, then your future is going to show that type of fruit. But if you allow your heart to meditate and, and just to stay focused on the love of God and forgiveness and extending mercy towards someone else, then literally you're going to walk in the abundance of everything God already promised you in his word when you have the right heart. Amen? So whose job is it to guard their hearts? Our own. It's our job, right? So tend to your heart, guard your heart, listen to your heart, and submit it to God. Make sure your heart is submitted to, to God. Your heart determines your anointing, church. It determines your anointing. And you are all anointed by God. Everybody has an anointing. You're anoint There's an anointing that God has placed upon your life. But did you know that your heart determines your anointing? It's important that we guard our hearts. If we let pride start to seep in there and, and sit in there and, and, be, and just uh, grow within our hearts, do you know that it will affect your anointing? It will totally affect your anointing. It will start to shortchange you. It will start to rob from you. It will start to take from you, right? Our hearts, we need to make sure that we give our hearts unto the Lord, and it's a daily thing. So you have been anointed for purposes that are greater than what you are currently even aware of, some of you. Currently, even your, the anointing that God has on your life, for some of you, it's, it's greater than what you're aware of. But that's a good thing. Say, so that's a good thing. Because God is going to help you become aware as you seek him. Amen? So you are anointed of the Lord to release the kingdom of God everywhere you go. That's what you're anointed to do, to release the kingdom of God. Every one of you, every single one of you, you are anointed of God to release the kingdom. And as I look around, I know that you're all saved. And I know that you, you all believe in Jesus and, you know, you're filled with him, baptized in him. You are anointed to release the kingdom. It's something you have been empowered to do. You may not know how to do it, but God will help you and show you how to do it. But you're anointed to do it. Say, I'm anointed to release the kingdom everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. So David, King David, Old Testament, King David, he had three separate anointings in his life. And each time he grew in his gifting and he grew in his sphere of influence. He had three separate types of being anointed, three separate times, right? And not, not everyone is called to walk in an office gift. We all know that he was, he was called to walk in an office gift, right? Many, few of them. But not everyone is called to walk in an office gift, meaning the gifts that are found in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Not everyone is called to walk in an office, but you're all gifted and you're all called in your own unique way. Is that not true? We all have a gifting. Say, I have, I'm gifted by the Lord and I'm called by God and I will walk in the calling that God has for me and I will make sure my heart stays right, pure before him, right? 
So your anointing grows as you walk in it. Not talking about offices, I'm talking about anointing. Are we clear on that part? So the Lord knows that you're anointing even before you do. He gave it to you, right? He's already given it to you. So Samuel the prophet anointed the next king because Saul was the king, and then he anointed David, right? Uh, Saul was rejected from being king over Israel because the Lord, because, yeah, by the Lord, because he rejected the word of God. Don't underestimate your rejection of God or his word will, may lead you into thievery. So your rejection, if you reject what God is doing, it may lead you in a place of thievery. You don't want that. You don't want that. You want the fullness. Saul was robbed. He rejected the word of God. He, therefore, was rejected. He, therefore, lost his anointing, lost his calling. And God had set up someone else, someone better, David, King David. The story of Saul is actually quite sad because it was a man that looked good, it was man's choice. In other words, the externals, right, the appearance. He had, he had the appearance that was pleasing. People liked him. He may, maybe there was, he was charismatic, I don't know, but he was tall and he was handsome and he was, he was pleasing to the eye. People chose him. But God looks at what? God looks at the heart. Man looks at the exterior, but God looks at the heart, and he's looking at your hearts right now. He's looking at our hearts right now, and he's saying, do you want me to mold your heart into everything I've called you to be? Will you let me mold your heart? Because I'm willing. The Lord is willing. He wants, he wants you to succeed. Did you know the Lord wants you to succeed? He literally wants you to succeed. I want to read this to you. It's 1 Samuel 15, 26. But Samuel, remember Samuel was the prophet, said to Saul, Saul was the king at the time. I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. I'm going to read 1 Samuel 13 and 14. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established you, your kingdom over Israel forever. The Lord would have established. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. Now your kingdom, verse 14, shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. God is looking for a man or a woman after his own heart. The decision to becoming a man or a woman after God's own heart is ours. And it's avail he's available for you to walk in that way right now. How many of you say, I want that? Like, I so want there are things in your heart. The Bible says the heart's desperately wicked. You know, how can you even know it? Yeah, but at the same time, when you let God enter in, 
what is wicked turns to that which is pleasing. It turns to that which is pleasing. When you say, Lord, I submit my heart to you fully. Change my heart. Change my heart. Matter of fact, say it right now. Change my heart, oh God. Change my heart, Lord. I want my heart to give you praise and glory and honor. I don't want, Lord, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Just pray this right now. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Just let that be your prayer right now. Create in me, Lord God. Create in me a clean heart. No, don't, don't look at your friend. Look this way. Create in me a clean heart, Father. When you ask God to create in you a clean heart, guess what he does? He'll do that, right? Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Oh God, create in me. I thank you, Lord God. I commit my heart to you right now. Renew a steadfast spirit within me, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. I receive that right now, a steadfast spirit, Lord God. So that, that's, that's Saul's end. Say, that was not a very good end. Saul's ending was not very good, but David's beginning was, right? Well, don't you want to have a beginning like David? And don't you want to have an end like, like Jesus, which is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, which he says, I, the things I've done, I want you to do even greater things? Yeah. So... Praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Praise God. 1 Samuel 16. This is, the, this is the bulk of what I wanted to read to you as our main text right here. It's 1 Samuel 16. And um, I'm going to read through verses 1 through 13. I'll probably go a little bit over, but I'll stop and interject as the Holy Spirit speaks to me. This is how David was anointed king. Okay, so now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? You know, he was, he was mourning. I mean, he was a prophet. He laid hands on him. He, he anointed him king. But he was mourning because why? Other people's decisions can cause you pain sometimes. Right? Your decisions sometimes can cause other people pain. Right? We don't want that. We don't want our lives to cause other people pain. So he says... Um, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. This is what the Lord was saying to the prophet. He said, fill your horn with oil. Do you know what happened tonight? You got filled with oil. You got filled with the oil of the Holy Ghost. Fill your horn with oil and go. Now everything you received here tonight, the oil of the Holy Spirit, you are now equipped to go forth and to go make disciples. You're equipped to go. You've changed, and now what you have is the oil of the Lord to go and make disciples. He says, I want you to fill your horn with oil and go. He says, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I, uh, well, Bethlehemite, I, for I have provided myself a king among his son, sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. Remember, he was still king. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I will come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you will anoint for me the one that I named to you. You will do what I've told you to do, basically. The Lord is saying to this prophet, Samuel. So Samuel did what the Lord said and he went to Bethlehem and the elders of the, um, of the town trembled in his coming. And he said, do you come peaceably? And he said, yes, I come peaceably. And so he says, sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons. Jesse was the father of, of David and invited them to the sacrifice. So verse 6, so it was 
when they came that he looked at Eliab and he said, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. See, we don't look at the appearance. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now, for many of you in this room, aren't you glad that God looks at the heart? Because he knows everything, right? So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So he may look good on the outside, but he's not good. He's not my choice. Some of you singles, you know, you look at the outward, and you go, oh, that's a good guy, or that's a good woman. Oh, really? Just because you see an exterior shell, you see the outside. But if their heart is not set on the Lord, it's not, you don't want that choice. You want God's choice. Say, I want God's choice for marriage. Right? Those that are single, I want God's choice for marriage. Amen? So, verse 9, so just... Then Jesse made Shammah pass before him, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So here's three of his sons, right, passing before. In other words, he sees them. The prophet sees three sons, and he looks at all of them, and he's like, oh, this is good. And God says, I haven't chosen that one. He says, oh, look at this one. I haven't chosen that one either. Hey, how about this one? I haven't chosen that one either. And so, so then Jesse, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But where was David? He wasn't even in the lineup, right? He wasn't even there. But seven of his brothers passed, you know, they all get looked at. They all basically are lined up. They go, okay, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? What about this one? All seven of them, but David's not even included. You would think, wow, what kind of a father is that? Just totally omitted and left out the one son. He's over here tending sheep, but he was the one. He was the one that carried the anointing. But all he was doing was tending sheep. But God sees what you can't. But he sees what you can't see in your own life too. You might say, gosh, you know, what am I going to do? What, am me? It, what about me? It's just me. I know there's nothing good in me. In other words, I can't do that. I'm not able. I'm not. God sees what he put in you. If he was to be able to see David when he was still in the fields, uh, he sees you when you're sitting there going, hey, that's great, but I don't know. I think I'm not included in that because I don't know what I could do to contribute to the kingdom. Really? Because God has called you. He has called you. He has spoken to you, and he has set you apart. Has he not? And even when you don't understand it, even when you don't see it, does God see it all? Because he doesn't make junk and he made you, right? So some of you need to say, you know what, I don't want any unbelief to lead me and guide me. I want to literally walk in the belief, the total belief of the Lord, right? Because I'm not going to be shortchanged. You're not going to be shortchanged. So he says, verse 11, Samuel says to Jesse, to the father, are all the young men here? And he says, well, there, there is one. The youngest one that's not here, but he's tending the sheep. And Samuel says, send and bring him. We will not sit down until he comes here. He's like, well, it's none of these seven. Can't believe you. You didn't even bring in the one. You know, you only had seven that you brought forward. You omitted one. Bring him in. And so he brings him in. And the Lord says, arise and anoint him, for this is the one. He didn't look as the others looked. In other words, the appearance was not quite the same. But what God put on the inside of this individual was going to literally, literally showcase the hand of God in a much better way than anybody else would have been able to because some of the others with the external beauty may have had the pride to go along with it. I love the fact that God knows our hearts. And he, if you let him, will bring you into the fullness of everything he called you to do. 
So he says, arise, anoint him. This is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. This was the first anointing. I said he had three. So he says, he, he anoints him with the, whole, with the horn of oil in the midst of his, brother and this, of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. It was kind of a, a private anointing. It was, it was more private than the others. But this was the first one, the first time that he was anointed. But it, nevertheless, the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. And David got up, and David arose, and David went. David did what he needed to do, right? So Proverbs uh, 16, 9 says that a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps, right? And exaltation means promotion. It doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. It doesn't, it come, doesn't come from the south. It comes from the Lord. God knows who to promote, right? He lifts one up and he puts one down. Promotion comes from the Lord. When your heart is right, promotion is a natural byproduct. Promotion comes from the Lord. How many of you can see that God has promoted you? If you can't see that, that's okay. It means we got some work to do. But I want you to see that God promotes whom he chooses. And he chooses the one that has a heart after him. Do you have a heart after him? Yes, you do. I think, I think all of you do. Various levels. We have a heart after God. And so God wants to exalt you. He wants to exalt you to, so that you literally give him glory and honor. See, he's not going to exalt somebody that's going to take it and it's going to become all about them. He anointed David. Right? He anointed, now, we know that David had many faults and he fell many times in various sin. But at the same time, he was one that was repentant. When he fell, he went right back and he said, Lord, forgive me. Do you know that's all that it takes? The anointing of God is for you to walk humbly before your, before your Lord and to say, well, I messed up, but I'm going to go right back and say, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to keep on sinning. And if you get nothing else out of this message, get this. When you mess up, you have a Savior that will forgive and is literally saying, I'm going to pick you up out of that pit. And I'm going to dust you off and I'm going to put you back on track. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Do you hear me? That's what he is saying to you. Keep going. Ask him for his grace. Ask him for his mercy. Ask him, cleanse my heart. Give me a heart after you, Lord. Do you pray that prayer? Give me a heart after yours. Because if you don't, that's a good prayer to pray. Lord, give me a heart after yours. So Psalm 24, 3 through 6. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who can stand in the Lord, in the presence of the Lord? He who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Selah, that means pause. To pause, meditate, take it in. This is the generation of those who seek his face. He wants, us to be a, he wants us to be people that seek his face. How do we do that? It's simple, but it takes diligence. James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 